everybody and welcome to What Would The Smart Party Do? This week we're going to talk Cyberpunk again. Why would you game in an Android Netrunner universe? What would you do about it? How would you game? Do you even want to? So, as always, as my good friend Baz is here. Hello Baz, how are you? Hello mate, I'm really good, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Especially good because we've got someone to help us out this time. Uh, an expert, the UK Netrunner National Champions with us, Alex White. How are you doing, Alex? Yeah, good. Uh, thanks, guys, for having me on. And I'm excited to be here and talk some Netrunner with you. Uh, I'm big into my role-playing games as well, so I'm not just going to get upset when we mention narrative or dice or anything. I think I'm, I think I'm ready to talk about that too. What the hell are they? Excellent stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's only players D&D. You don't look something. <laughs> So, what sort of games are you into then, Alex? What have you been playing recently in the role-playing world? So, um, I'm more into my into my GMing and my running games than playing in them. That's just kind of uh, how I get my kicks. So, uh, fairly recently, we finished a uh, campaign in uh, of Hunter the Vigil for World of Darkness, which was, was super fun. I'm, I've got not much love for the system, to be honest. As time went by, I kind of fell out with it a bit. But yeah, that was really fun. Lots of like character development plotty stuff and um so yeah b- big into that game i played a lot of the like the warhammer role-playing games the first thing ever gem was like some 40k stuff so um i like to do that and then recently we've been kind of experiencing that lull between campaigns and we're trying some indie stuff so i've been um so yeah i've got to trying to broaden my horizons a bit more um that's my background i guess yeah good variety there so you're not married to any one particular system which is good yeah that's not digging you, Baz. It certainly <laughs> is. Lots of different flavors of D and D. Yeah, exactly. I've got Dungeons and Dragons. That's two. <laughs> Recently, I've been uh, kind of trying to school myself in the world of RPG a bit more, and I find myself getting more, more and more convinced by the the indie approach and all these kind of small, you know, eighty or hundred page books dedicated to doing one thing really well. I actually that actually really appeals to me. I know you you two are a, a bit more unsure about that, but that's something that's been um, been. Uh, interesting me to read recently. I've also been reading the playtest docs for the Unknown Armies Kickstarter, which looks like it's mm-hmm. going in a really oh, interesting nice. direction. So, yeah, there's some good stuff there, and I feel like there's some stuff that I might end up drawing on uh, as we talk about this because there's some stuff in the new edition that would actually work kind of well for for a cyberpunk game, which is which is cool. So, yeah, we'll see how that develops. So, are you at that stage then, when you're you're looking back through the games you've played and the stuff you're reading most recently? given that you play a whole bunch of Netrunner do you kind of look at everything with a Netrunner lens these days so you look at your Hunter the Vigil campaign and go oh what can I nick out of that or could I play Netrunner with this because I'm kind of in that world now where where everything I see in gaming I'm trying to translate it yeah I think I think I probably would have been at that point about six months ago maybe a year I actually kind of I feel like I'm past that now because I've played so much Netrunner and I've dissected it so much and it's mostly just mechanics to me now that that's kind of off in its own separate box that's mm. it's like there's the Netrunner thing and that it just kind of nothing leaves or comes out of that world but um, I've got my worlds of Android and so I've been kind of thinking about that more and the Netrunner role playing game is a thing people have been discussing recently people want FFG to make it so there's some mm. I've been thinking about that a bit more and trying to look at how you could maybe emulate that a bit so um, I don't know but the, the Netrunner thing, I guess kind of because the game has kind of a narrative feel. It's very mechanical to me, but, you know, the runs and people keeping each other out of servers and the events that transpire. and So th- there's some inspiration there, to be sure. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Because I, I, feel, I feel the same way, but from a story point of view, I guess, as, as a dyed-in-the-wool role player. Uh, I kind of look at everything, whether it be a film, whether it be a book I'm reading, or just a story I overhear on the tube, and I kind of attach role play mechanics to it to yeah. see how it would how it would shake out. Um, and I, I'm nowhere near the kind of level of hours put into the game of Netrunner that you and Gaz would have. From a story perspective, when I look at an ID card, I kind of wonder what they do with the rest of their day. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> you know, it's really difficult for me to not do that. And then when I when I host an agenda. I kind of wonder what the corp are doing about that besides yeah. just putting tokens on it from a mechanical perspective. You know, what does that hostile takeover look like? What's the priority requisition really mean? And 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 even though most of the cards have got like at most a sentence of flavor text on and a little picture, it's it's got more flavor in it than some 300-page encyclopedias have for role-playing games. And I love it for that, and it just fires my imagination. Yeah, so... Um... Uh, stimhack.com which is one of the premier Netrunner kind of fan sites I guess hosts an article series where people do flavour reviews of the cards as they come out and they're like mm. 
they look at the mechanics and go, how's this translating? What's this looking like in the world? And with the card game, sometimes you end up in this weird space where a card isn't really flavorful. It's more, more there for the mechanics. But it's really mm. interesting to watch these two people pick it apart and go, no, this is, this is what we think is happening in a game of Netrunner. And this is what, this is what we think is happening in the world. And they've come up with some really interesting stuff. So people are obviously really into that flavor. And it's, it's really, in, it's cool to see what people are like read into it, I guess. Mm. Cool. So, so Gaz, can I put you on the spot, mate? Because I think you know, you probably have a good pitch for this. But for those who are listening and don't understand what the worlds of Android are, and when we talk about Netrunner, what do we mean? Have you got like the the sort of pricey for the role playing audience that we we tend to have as to what on earth we're on about and why they should care? I guess I can have a stab at it because uh, I think net, Netrunner or Cyberpunk or that sort of phrase is something that's ingrained in my head. If you know what I mean, I've, I can immediately picture the sort of things that we're talking about as soon as those sort of phrases are mentioned. If you make, you know, hackers making a run, that kind of stuff. And I think one of the successes of the card game is that you get those sound bites of information that sound cool. So Beanstalk Royalties is a card that gets you money. Well, there's a beanstalk that runs from the ground right up into well outer space effectively and the space stations and things like that that aren't immediately in the game but just little bits of like knowing there's a beanstalk immediately sets off lots of stuff in my head where I guess some other people from a normal role playing background might think Jack of the Beanstalk and not understand what it is Yeah. so there's probably a little bit of a barrier there if you've not read any uh, you know William Gibson or you've not seen Johnny Mnemonic or you've not been involved in that kind of stuff I guess a lot of the shorthand might be missed on you but you've got to kind of think, I guess, of a, a near future development. Just take everything a little bit further. So, um, you know, you might read about people hacking the, the neighbor's Wi-Fi. And, you know, that's because someone had an insecure password. What, well, imagine if you can actually do that. Now, imagine if people have got Google Glasses. Or imagine if they've got eye implants. Now, imagine hacking someone's eye implants to see what they see. When they're having, you know, making love to their wife or something like that. And all kinds of weird and wonderful nefarious things that could happen. Mm. And it's expanding the sort of the boundaries of current technology just that little bit further and then imagine what bad stuff could happen out the back of it or what good stuff I guess but a lot of it's the the what ifs of science fiction I think that's where the real hook is it's that kind of going back to the 1950s and 60s a lot of their stuff now where these sort of facts of space station seems uh, very quaint and dated but um, it's only ever going to be current as of now plus 10, 20 years isn't it so mm. the, the pitch really for Cyberpunk is imagine your sort of worst fears or best dreams about technology and where it could go and uh, that's the sort of stuff we're talking about I guess. How, mm. how does that sit with you Alex? Does that sound familiar or do you view it a different way? Yeah I think you've really hit the nail on the head there I think one of the things that uh, that the, differentiates the Android universe a little bit from the cyberpunk people might be used to is it's a little bit less dystopian um, I, I think some would argue that cyberpunk is dystopia and you can't really separate the two but with the android universe it's a bit brighter and a bit shinier and they've tried to try to show you what what the megacorp can do for you and um there's you know some of the cards in the game uh, again it's a good way to express it you know they're they're rolling out veterans programs and they're trying to feed the world and so that it's a bit brighter and a bit more interesting in that sense and maybe maybe a more interesting setting uh, to play a game in because it's not it's a bit less black and white than cyberpunk often is so that's something that draws me to the android universe a bit so one of the things I really like about the um, the world itself is that it kind of poses you some questions. So it, it, it's got that Jinteki think clones aren't people and might be toasters and that kind of thing. And just um, just the things they've got in a vat for the tools for use. But then on the other side, you've got people who believe clones are, are actual people as well and have souls. And that can extend through to bioroids as well. Do bioroids count as people? Where do you draw the line? But the game doesn't try to answer the question for you. It just poses the question. And then it's up to you as players to decide how you feel about that. Or certainly I think that's good scope for a role-playing game is to explore that sort of thing, is what does count as a person. Yeah, mm. so this is something that where their approach changed a little bit over the over the course of the game was I think if you look at those first cards they printed, they tried to make the corp look like the bad guys on the corp cards and on the runner cards. And now on the on the later cards, they're trying to make the corp look good on their own cards. Some of the corp cards almost look like propaganda. And I think that's really, really cool that they're both sides are telling their own story. No, definitely. It's it, what, what's kind of strange is when I was um, doing a bit of prep for this, I, I went and dug out my original box set of Netrunner, the core set, which probably most Netrunner players don't even look at these days because they they keep their cards in all kinds of different places. And, uh, and right there on the front of the box, it talks about how it's a game set in a dystopian future. But I'd forgotten it was dystopian because things have moved on since it launched a couple of years back. Yeah. Um, and definite, definitely, definitely that you don't get the sense that the corps are evil and the runners are good, um, which might have been your first impression when you think about pop culture with like hackers and matrix and stuff like that. 
It isn't the case at all. Um, and the car dart, despite being a little bit dark on occasion, is is almost got like a kind of a primary color cartoon reality to it as well. Is you know the sun's usually shining for a start. It's it's not all noodle stalls and rain like Blade Runner. Um, so it, it, I think it has moved on from its origins, and I, and I guess we should say as well that the origins of the Android universe, of which Netrunner is a game within it, started with the Android board game, which was very very much a murder mystery uh, noir detective game and that was much more i think about rainy streets and noodle stalls and, and neon police hoppers that kind of thing yeah um and i think netrunner's taken it to a slightly brighter place and a more diverse world as well so i think yeah as, as a universe it's, it's kind of living and growing and it's um well it's now got its worlds of android book hasn't it which is essentially the, the setting book for the universe I, I don't have it i think you two do so does that does yeah. it flesh it out even more it must do yeah, there's a there's a ton of detail in there. In a way, it sort of harks back to the thing we talked about in the previous episode about having I mean, those big fat IEG books with tons and tons of detail. Um, but I don't know. I, I guess in some places it gives you quite a lot, and then others, like the Muerto Street Gang, for example, there's just a paragraph. So mm. it's interesting in a way. Like they're something I would have liked to hear more about because they're quite a new injection into the game, if you know what I mean. But you don't get that much about them. But there is quite a good um, detailed level on the different corporations, that kind of stuff. So it's an odd mix, I think. Yeah, one of the interesting things about uh, the Android universe is uh, I've, I think I was reading something written by one of the original writers who came up with the setting. And the thing it started with was the conflict between House Barrow, who makes the, the human-like replicant robots, and Jintek, who makes the clones, and their fight over the cheap labor market. So... That that apparently that was one of the f- the very first things that was talked about when they talked about the setting. So it's kind of expanding outwards, and they're trying to tackle new themes and cover new ground. But the whole um, humans that we make ourselves—do they have humanity, etc., cetera, etc.—is cetera, really, really core to the universe and is where its origin is really. So if we were sort of looking at this from a role playing perspective, which is kind of the thing we do, um, I think we've kind of like we've 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 moved around the subject a little bit about what is what is the theme of the android universe if you're going to play games within it because I, I guess if you want to play running corporate servers or defending corporate servers netrunner does arguably the best job in the world at that there's already a game for that um and there's a board game that does the murder mystery part which is probably a bit close to the traditional role-playing experience but i wonder like what would be the things that you would want to do if you were presented with a role-playing game set in the netrunner universe or the android universe whether it's written by Fantasy Flight Games, who may or may not get round to that, or whether it's hacked out of something else, what what would what would you be prepared to to do to sit down at the table? What kind of stories do you think would want to come out of that? Would they be about uh, bioroids and clones, which is the original idea, or would they be about doing heists in corporate security blocks, or would it be about the day to day life of running a security consultant, or, or all of those things? Well, it's where I struggle with thinking about how what game I'd use or how I build a system or that kind of stuff is actually that I think there's lots of interesting stories, but I can't really just pick one or think of something that would cover all of them. Ah. So, for example, I quite like the idea of uh, there's been a breach and you're a, a corporate or whatever, or you're, you're all your players are corporates or executives or whatever, and you've got to find out who did it and bring someone to justice for it, and there's a weight of the Jinteki Corporation above you or whatever, and someone's going to have to take their own life at the end of it or some other dire consequence, that kind of thing. That sounds interesting. But then equally, I quite like a, a game where, for example, you're all clones of the same type. So you're all Mark IIs or whatever it happens to be, but you're all striving to make yourself different and individual, even though every time you get together, you all look at basically your own reflection hmm. and that kind of story. Um, so there's like quite diverse stories I want to tell, and there need to be some kind of cyberspace or hacking or something in it. Otherwise, why are you playing in that universe? If you know, given that it's such a big part of it, but then can everybody do it, or is it because one of the big pitfalls of the old games is that you have a hacker or a runner or a whatever you want to call him, and there was one guy who spent half an hour with the GM doing his hacking side quest, and everybody else sat around in the van waiting for him to finish, which was obviously no good. But I don't know. How about you, Alex? Have you got, if you were to set out in a role playing game, what what sort of thing would you expect to do in this universe, or want to do? So I had a I had a few thoughts about this. Um, one of the things that I would re- I think would work really really well in uh, any kind of Android uh, role playing game is the idea of of factions and important individuals and the relationship map. This is something that you know a relationship map is originally quite indie, but I think the more traditional circles are adopting it now. Um, 
I've talked a bit about the Unknown Armies 3rd Edition, and in that, as part of character creation, you're supposed to create your characters and put them on this map and how they're linked to factions or other important characters in the setting and you draw lines you can put it all on a court board if you really want and that kind of thing i think that could work really really well for something set in the netrunner universe because it's already got all these interesting factions baked in i mean for a start there's the corporations which have all these different arms so maybe that's one on your map is you know harmony medtech the Gentechi medical research group and then you've got like the the group that hates biroids and clones human first maybe they'd be on your map and you've got the the cat, the, the detective, uh, like the Caprice, the psychic detective, she's there, and you end up with this kind of, and it's it's great plot fodder for the GM, and I think the a cyberpunk game and specifically Android would be really well suited to doing that. Yeah, I think it's definitely Scott. If I do something like um, you work for NAPD, so you know that the corporations have got the filthy mitts in it, and your superiors might be corrupt or bribable or whatever else, and you're the the few good cops that are trying to do right. Yeah, and then you've got people like the criminal hackers and all the rest of it are actually people you want to bang up, but uh, only because they're stealing. And if you know they're stealing, but giving away good information about some corporate scandal is that do you still want to arrest them? But you kind of have to because you're the good, you know that kind of. It's a bit of a hackneyed story, but being the good cops in a corrupt system and trying to do right or make the best of some bad choices—that's another good scope there. I think. Yeah, I think that would be perfect actually, because then yeah, you've got some interesting drama when the. The straight lace cop just so happens to know the one guy that can get them into the server or whatever, but it's someone he arrested twenty years ago and has like a blood feud against. But maybe he has to, you know, there's you're already you're, you're starting to pull at these interesting plot threads. I think there's loads of mileage in it, and um, one thing that a role playing game has to do, I think, to be successful is it has to accommodate, uh, for want of a better term, a party, so a group of individuals, uh, and clearly in the role playing game. Um, that's that's a normal thing to want to do. Whereas in the Netrunner game, it's a solo game. You're you're one against the other, or a two person game, I should say. So, uh, so, which which is ideal for doing those sort of hacking runs that Gaz talked about before. If you want to bring that into the role playing universe, you've got to have a reason for groups of people to be together. And, and NAPD is a great example. As is anybody who works for a corp. I think there's loads of really good untold stories from the corporate point of view. Which where you could put together like you know um, a briefing team or the press corps or there's loads of little units like that of people that would work really well together like a project group. I mean anyone who works for a corporation in the current day understands how team dynamics is like a really important thing and <laughs> there's loads of training courses you can go on and that corporate world is really unexplored in role playing. But if you make it sexy and everyone's got sidearms as well and yeah. cool designer suits and, and, and space goggles, that makes it a lot more interesting than just playing The Office. But I'd love to do that. <laughs> and and for the hacking piece as well in the server, um, I mean, all my experience of playing Netrunner is I can't stick with one ID for very long. I have to play loads and loads of different hackers because I can't settle. So what I'd love to be able to do is play all of them. And the idea of like playing an anarch, uh, a criminal, and a shaper as a as a hacker team, and maybe all three of them do do a run simultaneously because why not? Or maybe they they just send off the you know, the criminal to do some bit, and then the hacker the anarch gets their time a bit later on. But you know, you shuffle any six runner IDs together, I'd see that as a really good party. And it might be spotlight time that you'd spread amongst them all. But working together as a team seems like the sort of thing that you would do in Netrunner the movie. It's like yeah. an obvious thing to do, isn't it? And and that's what I what I think the game should be like. It should it should get a real good sense of all the different bits of the universe as much as possible without being too skittish about it. Which is why something like NAPD guys, I think, is a brilliant idea because you get to see the ritzy stuff, the seedy stuff. You'd get to deal with corpses and hackers. You're kind of caught in the middle, in fact, aren't you? Yeah. I'm starting to write notes down as we speak now. I'm really liking that idea. <laughs> Yeah, but, um, I mean another another thing to sort of consider that which I like is um, if you played um, the one roll engine kind of games in in the sort of main book for that they've got um, they call, I think they call actually call them corporations but it's like gangs I think the idea is that you could all be for example pirate captains and then there's a, a like a little subset of rules that you can have for having your pirate fleets and they'll have a certain amount of sovereignty a certain amount of money and resources and a certain amount of military strength and that kind of thing. So there's probably some sort of scope in there for you could be from different corporations or factions or whatever. And then you have a separate little mechanic for how your gang is, if you know what I mean. Mm. So whether your gang's an APD or it's the criminal connections you've got, you've actually got a gang, or whether it's a corporation or a department within a corporation or something like that, 
there's definitely scope for the screen time for your character as an individual and then also the screen time for how's your faction doing within the Netrunner world and how are they getting on and are you in danger of getting a hostile takeover or are you in danger of the cops finding out where your hideout is or tracing your bank accounts or that kind of stuff hmm. There's a game that I backed on Kickstarter a while ago and just got around to reading called Legacy of Life Among the Ruins and that's kind of this post-apocalyptic thing but in that you create your character but also you create your own little faction and you get character creation is also faction creation and there's rules for how they bounce off each other and interact and and your role within the faction and stuff and again that could work really well for a uh, for a, an Android game as well. Yeah, I'd like to keep as much as much of that stuff as I could that, that even that terminology factions is is really cool that's a cool piece of Netrunner. You know, the, the, you've got the corpse of the factions. You've got your your runners are, are lined up into factions, kind of sorta. It's like teams, really. And I think that that relationship bit is the bit that you would want to explore in an RPG because you can't do it in the card game so much. It would be a peculiar card game if it was about, you know, the, the shapers and the anarchs have the same kind of agenda for one of their term. Um, but you could absolutely explore that in an RPG, and I think mechanical support for that would be vital. So. What sort of things will we think about in terms of is it going to be driven uh, from what a character or your your perception of what your individual or group wants to do or is it more about reacting to outside forces? Because I think there's two halves of the card game as well and, and talking of the old one that came out in 1996 I think that I started playing with our good friend Simon Baz yeah. we just split the cards in half so we always played Runner and I played the Evil Corporation as is my want mm-hmm. so we have very different perspectives on what the game was about because we only ever played one side of it and every time we bought new boosters we'd just give the other guy the other half of them because it was a collectible card game back in those days but that's given that's somewhat skewed my perception even to this day on the, the sort of game that you want to play so from my point of view uh, it was always about kind of setting up your defences or trying to advance your plans and trying not to let someone else interfere with it. Whereas from a runner point of view, it's very much about there's something I've got to go and attack and get something out of with the inevitability that if you don't do something, then they're going to achieve their objective no matter what. So which angle would you attack it from or would it be both? Is it more about you trying to get out there and make a difference in this dystopian world or is it more about trying to you know survive, if you know what I mean? I would um, I would get indie on it. I would actually do both, and I would physically uh, have it, have both in the sense that I think as a player you should play a corp character and a runner character, um, or just two characters if it, if you don't want to differentiate it by corp and runner. And those two characters would be not in opposition with each other necessarily, but in a broader aspect might be in opposition. So if you imagine you've got like four players and they've all got literally double-sided character sheets and on one side is Corp and on the other side is Runner and you have a proportion of people will start the game as Runners and a proportion will start as Corp players and they will be almost antagonistic but at some point in the game just like you would see in a sort of an episodic TV drama people will flip their sheets and there might be mechanics to do that with so that not everybody flips at the same time so it's not always in direct opposition but you literally change characters so that you're in something like The Wire for example and then you're playing the other side and you might not be up against the other side of your character sheet you might be up against the other side of someone else's character sheet but you've automatically then got a whole load of little cool relationships happening where you essentially you play as hard as you can to undermine the character you might be playing in half an hour or next week, or even next month. And there might be some mechanical doodad that tells you when to flip your sheet and when the spotlight moves. It may even be GMless, which is really indie. Um, but I think that would then keep that aspect of the shades of grey that the Android world has, where you have to look at things from both sides. So if you're playing Elizabeth Mills, the corporate exec, for 15 minutes, and you're delivering some presentation to the board and then something happens, the bell rings or whatever, and you have to flip your sheet, you're then playing the runner that's trying to like spy on that meeting. That's kind of cool, I think. I'd really like to see that happen. Yeah, there's, um, there's a game by Gregor Hutton called Remember Tomorrow, I think it is, hmm. which has got... Uh, it's not that sort of mechanic. That sounds really good, Baz, but it, what it has got is um, a pool of characters. So you all create at least one character, and then each scene you kind of flip round, um, new characters might get introduced... And it might be that you discuss Elizabeth Mills or something who didn't exist and we make a little character for her and that gets chucked in the pot. And at a later point or a later scene, someone just picks that up and swaps what they did have for her 
because they think of something cool that Elizabeth Mills might now be doing, given that her secret board meeting's been leaked or whatever it is. So it's not exactly the same mechanic, but it is that kind of to try and include, if you wanted to include corpse and runners and all other kinds of different roles, something like Remember Tomorrow is quite good in terms of you just pick a good character for that scene and run with it. And you might not play the same character again, or you may do, or someone else might play it, but that's really good for mixing up and getting lots of different elements all in one game. Yeah, I like that idea a lot, actually, because I think it would talk about part of the appeal of the setting is there's all these different forces pushing and pulling on each other, but instead of the players all being at the mercy of them, if they get to suddenly grab them and and do what they like with them, I think it could. I think it'd be really engaging. I think if that game was good, it would really sing. Um, it, but it would be very ambitious, and it would. It's, it's very easy to imagine it falling apart, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I think the obvious thing to do. This is too obvious. Is to set up a game where you're all freedom fighting runners, like Neo in the Matrix, <laughs> up against the big dystopian state. But it's it's been done before. Um, by loads of different games in loads of different settings and I, and I think Android is bigger and better than that yeah. so I'm much more interested if I had to just play one side it would be the corp funnily enough because of the agendas so in the card game for those who don't know the, the point of the game is to score out your agendas which are your plans and corporate programs and, and if you're the runners you're trying to steal them so each of those agendas is kind of like for me is like the title of that night's game um, because it might be Oaktown renovation, which doesn't sound particularly glamorous, but believe me, it's it's a pretty good thing. And, uh, and it might be that that's your mission as the corp is to make it happen, and you've got all kinds of runners and other things that are trying to undermine that or stop it happening or make it happen in a different way. So because the corps have got the agendas, that's the side that, funnily enough for me, spins off more stories. The runner stories, I think, are a bit more obvious, perhaps, Yeah, which is either to destroy or entertain or to steal um, to line up with the factions so I think I think it would be a mistake to make the corpse just purely the antagonists um, it would be too easy to do everyone's done it before and I think that would be a real sort of unique selling point for a role playing game based on Android the sort of potential to bring the runners into it I don't know I, I, I'm with you I think as, I, as I've already mentioned I like the uh, I like the cooperation aspect but then it's kind of um how do you involve the runners then at that point? Because you could easily have internecine warfare amongst corps or within departments within a corp, but you're still trying to make it, if you're still trying to encapsulate runners and things like that without them just hacking you all the time, how do you make more of a human story out of the the sort of network of runners and people that are out there, if you know what I mean? Because it, it'd be easy to fall into a trap if you do an octane renovation of, you know, you have to remove squatters or you know, it could quite easily just become quite a, sort of boring corporate tale couldn't it so how would you still keep the magic alive about the other aspects of android if you're doing a renovation of a you know a city block or something i think if you're playing as as the corporate you know we're playing in the corporate world i think you kind of want the runners to be like this dark shadow that's cast over everything you do because that's kind of again that ties in with the game or in the game um it kind of the way the game plays out it's it's not it's not so much that the runner is scared of the corp it's actually much more the other way around where the corp always feels defensive and they're terrified you know they're going to come in through the window they're going to come in through the door so i feel like that's how you would kind of want to want to put it into the game if your job was oaktown renovation is you know oh god valencia estevez is stirring up some stuff about how what we're doing is bad what's she going to do is she going to attack us directly is she going to send some protesters you know they're almost like these uh, malevolent demigods that are, are lording over you uh, in image as well as as well as in the threat and you know if um, if noise comes out and says he opposes your project what does that mean so I feel like they're kind of the ultimate and antagonist but they have they have to be threatening in a myriad of ways yeah that's interesting and one thing I've not really seen explored uh, I may have just missed it or not read enough into the lore and stuff like that but I haven't seen much of corporations using runners so, for example, someone paying Gabriel Santiago, like Jinteki, for example, to go and hack Wayland to find out what they're up to or to get some money off them or whatever it is. So have you seen any sort of aspects of that, Alex? Or... Not really. I think people have been talking about that since forever. And there is they introduced a runner in, in one of the expansions that was kind of working for some kind of cybersecurity force. It wasn't really clear if she was kind of counter-hacking the runners. But I think the, the, the system operative card type is them trying to do that, but not really. They're kind of going for the dueling hackers thing but yeah that could be really interesting too is if you've got a, a mission where you've got to try and I don't know pay off a runner or you reckon you can use them to, to hack the other guy that's going to hack you I don't know but yeah there's and there's plenty of work to play 
you know, hackers on the inside, and you can still play as a hacker even if you're working for the corporation. That's not off limits by any means. Hmm. Yeah, I think what's important is you want to get the guys in the same room at some point, don't you? Otherwise, you are just playing runners or just playing corpse, and it's down to one dimension again. And I, I, I can't. It's, it is actually a little bit difficult to picture a corp and a runner in the same room with the, with the current setup in Android. I can see them maybe on vid screens or maybe one of them being led off in cuffs um, by some minions. But, um, but yeah, I think, is it Sonny LeBeau we're thinking of? Yeah. Security? Yeah, exactly. So there's a, there's a bleed over there. But, you know, why not break the rules a little bit? Because it's not... If you're going to play a role-playing game, you don't want to just do runs on servers again, and that's what Netrunner does. And I think the very first thing that would happen in the very first mission, if you were ever going to write a scenario pack for for this RPG that doesn't exist, is you are all called into a corporate boardroom, but you're like infamous hackers, and you're wondering if this is a trap. Um, you know, that's going to be the very first thing that happens, isn't it? That's yeah. that's scenario one. Or you know, you're you're uh, an anarch runner, and you've managed to somehow. Um, take hostage a bunch of uh, corporate sysops um, because there's got to be stories behind the scenes of like where they get their hardware where they get their resources um, there's, there's little things that unfold behind each of the little operations and events that get played in the game which could probably be a four hour role playing session but you've got to get the corpse and the hackers in the same physical location or digital location at least so they're part of the same story rather than my idea of flipping over the character sheet I don't think you want to feel like you're playing a different game when you do that you want to see feel like you're still part of the same arena yeah it's it's funny you mentioned the physical space thing actually I don't know a ton about this but there is some story in in the android universe where Reina Roja who's kind of the freedom fighter and the real champion of the people I believe there's some plot where she gets kidnapped by Wayland on purpose as some kind of gambit to get inside the building like the Joker in Batman or something. It's a bit uh, silly, but it's a really cool setup for a scenario is, you know, we've captured this hacker, but it all seems a bit too good to be true. And she's there in the building and you can go in and interview her and stuff starts to go wrong. So that kind of yeah. kind of thing does happen and the, the universe has played around in that space a little bit. Nice. So it's doable. <clears throat> another um, another idea I quite like to play the game, it was using a the don't rest your head system of all things. <laughs> um which is about insomnia. So I don't know how he got there, but Paul Lawrence um, did a scenario which was basically like Running Man. So he had uh, a group of guys running through this death maze, basically. Uh, but we played the hackers who were trying to support him. So we kind of like put a massive bet on Slaughter Jones or whatever it was called. And then as he went through these different arenas and stuff, we were trying to hack the system. So we're turning cameras off. We're you know messing with automated defenses. We're arranging weapon drops and all kinds of stuff like that. So that's. I think that's probably another aspect to look at is that when you think of hackers and, and the corporations, certainly in terms of the card games, you're thinking about breaking them and bringing them down and taking their agendas and all the rest of it. Whereas perhaps what you can do is think more around the corp just as a backdrop and you can use them. But what you're doing is exploiting them or trying to work out ways of making money or get advantage or something like that. It doesn't have to be a, the corporations are bad and the runners are just trying to bring them down. It can be more about... The corpse is just the the sea with, in which you're swimming, and you're a shark trying to yeah. get the best advantage in that environment. I think one thing to think about when thinking about the corpse role uh, in the game is taking inspiration from the card game. The corpse is not just one body. There's not the house biroid card or the Genteki card. There's lots of different branches and arms. And presumably, you can imagine that you know they're all at each other's throats a little bit as well. Maybe you know some brand new shiny piece of. Um, server defense comes out a new piece of ice and uh the foundry are fighting with the cybernetics division over who gets to have it first so there's plenty of room for double dealing in that and maybe they go to an opposing corporation to sabotage you know the people who are part of their own corp just to make things easier so you really want to bring out the different arms of the corporations i think i think that's um that's that's a really really good point i'd forgotten to mention it earlier Uh, one of the central parts of the netrunner card game is the notion of influence which is uh, taking cards from other factions and putting them into your deck, and it's it's a foolish netrunner player who doesn't use influence to the max, frankly. <laughs> but in in a role playing world, again, I'd I'd want to replicate that, and that's where the idea is that you would, if you're playing a um, a runner and you're playing a, a blue deck, you might have you know a few green cards in there, which to me suggests that they talk to each other. Yeah, uh, they don't necessarily have to be pals, but there's going to be an interrelationship, and the same with the the corpse as well, the HB Jin Techie standoff, or or even the rivalry. That again, as I work for a corporation, I know 
you can have huge interdepartmental rivalries that don't even have to go outside your own building, um, let alone to another corporation. And I think it's probably really important that we that we, we, we would tackle that idea of it not just being about you as a single person. Again, Alex's idea of relationships and building influence and, and bringing in other parts of the game so that you can't just take a Ginteki corporate officer template and leave it at that. It's going to be coloured by the relationships and the allegiances and the alliances and the enmities that they have with the other factions in the game. And that needs to be represented for me on the character sheet in some way. Yeah, the whole idea of, of influence and making deals is... Uh, something that I think role-playing designers are really caught onto as a great thing to put into your game because uh, it often leads to players making hard choices. So if you think about influence, you can take inspirations from the game. Um, there's a really important Jinteki card, uh, Caprice the Psychic Detective, that House Biro decks often use just because it works really well synergistically. But that's a session, isn't it? If someone's like, well, you know, we want to get our plans through, but we're going to need Caprice. It's the only way it's going to work. And then you've got to, you know, to go to Jinteki. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll loan you Caprice for two weeks, but down the line you're going to have to scratch our back and help us out here and you end up having these obligations and owing people favours yeah absolutely and Jackson Howard is the busiest man ever even <laughs> yeah. though he's only in one little office yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. and how do you start out a negotiation with Caprice Nisso she's psychic you know, <laughs> she, she, she knows what you can afford to pay before you even start talking to her no she's the best because it's over in five minutes she tells you what's going to happen and you just have to accept <laughs> yeah that's true so, which brings me to the the next thing I was going to say is, um, I think probably if you could distill the lesson of Netrunner the card game down to one thing, it's that time is money, and the, and the notion of time and money is is the two big pieces of resource that fire up the whole game for me from a mechanical perspective yeah, as absolutely. well as maybe a philosophical one. I suppose if you're a business, time and money, blah 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 blah. So, you know, time is represented by clicks in the game, and money is represented by credits. In a role-playing game, those would both be probably treated as kind of ancillary to the main event. So your money might go in a little box on your character sheet and you might go and do a bit of shopping, but people kind of try to move beyond equipment lists and stuff, and I don't think this would be a game for it either. And time is just what would happen as you played. I think those two concepts are so central to the card game, I'd kind of like to see them represented again mechanically or as part of the scenario or whatever. Um, and I've got a couple of ideas, but not much more than that, as to how to make time and money important, more important than just numbers on your sheet. Um, so we don't want to put you guys on the spot particularly, but have you got any notions or other games you've played before that, that play with that about time pressure and money pressure? Yeah, I really, I think time, time as a mechanic and uh, is a really, really underrated thing to put in your role playing game, I think. Uh, because it, it drives the plot along and it stops players from just covering all their bases you know someone who's been running D&D recently came to me and he was like I have this problem where every time they get in a fight they then take an 8 hour rest in the dungeon because why wouldn't you <laughs> so you've got to have time pressure mechanics to stop that being an option so uh, I know in uh, Torchbearer which is like a burning wheel spin off every time someone ma- they, they condense it pretty easily and they're like okay every time someone rolls the dice some unit of time is passing and you're all getting a bit hungrier and a bit thirstier and a bit more tired and I think that kind of thing works really well because it means you can't just faff around for ages. So maybe maybe that's how you play the game. Is uh, I, I don't think that kind of structure is bad for a game. If you say, okay, every time someone's making a roll, it represents some amount of hours passing and things are things are getting worse. There's a deadline to meet and you know Edward Kim is gathering his supporters every, every day that goes past while you're wasting time. So have some kind of mechanical effect so that the players feel the time pressure at all times. Because that's what working in a corporate world is like, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And Torchbearer is awesome for that. Um, it's a game I know pretty well, and there's um, <laughs> there's some good netrunner hacks for that. Um, <laughs> another game is Blades in the Dark, uh, still in Kickstarter, but it feels like it isn't because it feels like everyone has heard about it or played it or whatever, even though you can't buy it. Uh, that uses the... Uh, it comes from Apocalypse World, I suppose, some of its concepts, but one of the concepts is using clocks... It's still a little bit loosey-goosey, colouring in segments of clocks as you go. It, it just tends to be because it feels like time has moved on, so let me colour in a section. But it still moves at the pace of whatever the group feels right at the table. I, I fancy, like Torchbearer, something that kicks in and it's inevitable, and it's not down to the GM to decide when the clock moves forward. It just does. Um, and, and, yeah. and if you could tie that to potentially, you know, going back to my idea of a double-sided character sheet, if you get like four clicks worth of action with your runner and then you have to turn your character sheet over and you've got to play the corporate character for the next three mm-hmm. clicks, 
that that, yeah. that just feels like it should be right for me that you're kind of you've only got so much time to squeeze the drama out of your situation or rescue the hostage or whatever it doesn't mean that the task has failed it just means that you cut away and maybe the task has failed or it gets more difficult but that idea of you've got a limited period of time to achieve your objectives before you've got to move on to something different that really appeals and you don't see that a lot in, in any other games apart from well time travel games and they break those rules so I think that would be an interesting yeah. conceit yeah it's a really good currency for a game I find because it means the GM isn't constantly trying to think of, of downsize the player's ideas so I don't know if, if something goes wrong maybe the court will call the police but that's going to take two time actions or they could mm. just bring in a bunch of, of hired thugs which is only going to take one time action but there might be some repercussions down the road so that kind of thing tends to just create drama even without that much effort on the part of the GM mm. Yeah I think to go, to go uh, corporate and certainly in the IT world where I uh, inhabit there's there's time, money and quality so there's definitely something around that triangle you could do for all your actions in terms of making things difficult or or more easy and that sort of thing so when you've got a task or a a scene to complete if it was hacking into a corporation you could have can you can kind of go down that if you want to make it easier if you you know think you really need to get this information then you can do that but then you're increasing the chance you'll get tagged because the quality of your defense goes down or something like that so there's probably something around that in terms of you can take lots of time to do something and it'll be safer but it will take lots of time so you're gonna have to wait until two scenes down the line before it actually pays off and if you want something right now, you can have it, but there's a cost to that in terms of either the quality or the money you're going to have to pay to do it. And I like the idea of being a constant kind of clock on all those things that you can't achieve with everything and you've kind of got to balance and make the, your best choice of the resources you've got because that seems like something that emulates the card game in terms of you've got so many clicks and so many credits and you've got to judge how to use them most efficiently with the information that you've got at the time. Mm. You know, one thing Netrunner doesn't do is provide dice it's it's got a random element in what's in the deck you you're not quite sure what the next card is going to be but you can manage that as well it's not a random game it's a game of resource management and in an rpg very often whether you succeed or fail at something will come down to rolling dice but what if the thing that allowed you to succeed or fail was the time and money you put into it rather than the necessarily even your skill at something what if everything was doable but it all took an amount of time. So, you know, you could write an AstroScript pilot program on the moon, but it's going to take you three months to do it. But your board wants it done in one month. So it doesn't matter how skillful you are. You just can't move that amount of time around unless you can get other people to help you, etc., etc., etc. So, you know, again, it might move away from a, a traditional RPG quite a lot. But what if it wasn't about how skillful you were, but just how well you could manage the, your resources to get stuff done and prioritize which would feel quite corporate. I think we can also bring out the factions with this idea too. Maybe if uh, you know the players were picking what faction they were and different factions were strong in different areas. So the Annex, maybe they get things done really fast and they're not going to have to worry about their time pressure. But um, there might be a downside. They might, people might find them down the road. Maybe their special ability is, oh, you can get this done in you know, half as many time clicks, but you will be tagged and they will know where you are. Mm. And you can bring that to the corporations too. You know, Maybe MBN is super fast but your downside is you're extremely vulnerable if they come after you. So the players get to pick how they want to manage their resources when the, when they deal with the faction aspect of the game, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. And, 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 you know, the GM, if there were a GM in Netrunner, it'd be represented by the fact that cards are played face down. So that that's, that's <laughs> the bit that you don't know because Netrunner is much more a game of bluff and trying to figure out what's underneath the backs of those cards that you can't see. And that that's kind of like the GM bit. So uh, if you push it too far, you just end up coming back to the why don't we just play Netrunner? Uh, which <laughs> yeah, you, you don't want to go too far down down the road of replicating everything in it. But the idea of time, I think, is absolutely central to the game. Maybe not obviously so, because they're just tokens you move about. After a while, it becomes purely mechanical. But that would differentiate it from a game of, say, Shadowrun or D&D, where you can just camp to recover. And, it, and it, it means you don't need wandering monster tables or this, that, or the other, or all the other little conceits that other games use to get things moving. It will literally be, I've only got so much time. And then the other thing is money. You know, I, I, I would want to avoid having just a box with the, with the credit symbol next to it where you're just rubbing it out the pencil every time you go and buy some bullets. Um, 
although you probably aren't buying bullets actually we should talk about combat a bit in a sec I suppose but <laughs> you're probably buying plascrete because you have to uh, <laughs> but who wants to like cross off a credit amount and just put down a lesser number on the sheet that doesn't feel feel right uh, clearly the card game is very very abstract but the the ability to generate economy is is something that I'd like to see in the role playing game as well it is something from like the world of darkness newer things and that kind of thing we have a resource level and that's one way of doing it They're, the problem is there I think you might have say four dots in resource is quite a lot in the world of darkness and you generally then won't run out of money you can afford you can buy a new car if you want and that never changes so once you've got to a certain resource level it feels a little bit like I can just have anything now so it becomes less exciting whereas if you had a resource pool that reduced when every time you did something and you, then you'd have to go on a hack or do something else to then replenish that pool that seems more interesting but obviously to replenish your credit pool you then have to use time because you need to go on a hack and do something yeah. that's not on your mission and that sort of thing so I like the idea of it being not necessarily having money and time as hit points or something but they should definitely degrade every time you use them because mm. that's the key isn't it in Netrunner your your fortunes in in your credit pool can be from 20 to 0 in, in 2 seconds and then back again you can get account siphons, you can get closed accounts. It just it just happens, and you kind of have to live with that. And you, you set up all kinds of like contingency plans to like drip feed your economy, or to to go and do a big bank job, or whatever it is. But all of that takes time and resource management, and you're still at the whims of the fates. And and most, like you say, guys, most of the resource abstraction mechanics I've seen in role playing games, they don't have you going from like pauper to prince overnight. But that seems to be the sort of thing that can happen in the Android universe on an hourly basis. So again, yeah. that would be one, something I'd want to see replicated. So are there any other aspects, Alex, of the game that you think we haven't touched upon or that you'd like to see in a role-playing game if you sit down and play one? Um, not particularly. I think we've kind of brought out the most interesting aspects. I think factions are important. I think time is important. I think not just playing as the hackers uh, is important. And those would, those would be my central tenets, really. I think we've really uh, really covered those spots. So, in terms of things like Baz mentioned, combat briefly there, in the game itself, the card game, there's only really the Smith & Wesson gun, and there's not much fighting. There is danger of getting your brain melted or your house burned down, but sort of individual mano-a-mano combat doesn't really come into it too much. And I don't massively feel like it should be included, but where else would we get a conflict from? Conflict from? So if you're not like fighting hand-to-hand with Mercer street gangs all the time as a runner, where's your, where's your danger coming from, do you think, or your, the excitement? I think it um, comes from places that you would see in action movies as opposed to... That's uh, a bad example. Uh, I tell you what, I'll just go back to role-playing for a bit. So role-playing is often <laughs> just broken down into sword slash against shield... Uh, block and parry, six second rounds, etc. And it tends to be mano a mano, so individuals in melee, and at most a skirmish. Um, however, the the conflicts and the action scenes that I see in the Android universe are either a net run, obviously that's that's a form of combat. But if you're talking about out in the streets and the buildings and in the shopping malls, it's more like the entire building behind you blows up due to a scorched earth policy. That's the kind of, of of scene that I see happening, but it isn't represented by people with guns against people with armor. Despite Plascrete Carapace being a thing, it's it's not really there to to help you against people with shotguns, is it? Maybe private security force. I don't know. It's tenuous, isn't it? I can't see there being like firefights in the streets, or if there are, they should be more like you know, uh, running to get away from stuff. So chase scenes where you're trying to avoid getting tagged with a small T or a big T. Um, by the security forces so I think there's definitely conflict resolution in the game but I think it's unlikely that you would see Gabriel Santiago having a punch up with um, with Elizabeth Mills although I would pay money to see that (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think I think a lot of your conflict is going to come from the kind of different types of power that exist in the Android universe you often find that um, someone someone tends to beat someone else hands down or whatever your conflict is you know if it's a fight between the hackers and the corporation as in a physical fight obviously the corporation is going to win um but if it's kind of a, an information war then then your runner's going to have the upper hand so i think it's all about 
people fighting conflicts with completely different tools and weapons, which is something role-playing games often struggle to really mm. emulate. But I think that's where you want to go. Also, I think the word run is important. I think there's going to be a lot of running away and, and running after each other and trying to arrest people. And yeah, I like, yeah, a fight, something, something very, very important has happened if there's a physical fight in the setting, I think. Yeah, I, I can see chase scenes happening all the time in the Android role-playing game. It's not something that's represented by the cards particularly well, apart from maybe that trace and tag mechanic, which is very abstract in the game, isn't it? And obviously yeah. so. But I can actually see the stories being all about chases, whether digitally um, or running through nightclubs or running through shopping malls or or trying to get you know surgery done at the last minute, that kind of stuff. Because that brings time into it again, because a chase is all about time compression again, isn't it? Can you open up the leads so you can get away or, or can you catch them in before they get onto that, that hopper to get away? So, you know, that, that would fit really well for me. Yeah, I think you can take a little bit of inspiration from the card game there because the one thing that can sometimes happen in the card game that feels a little bit like the chase is if the runner is tagged and should be dead but the corporation happens to have not drawn the kill kill card yet mm. and they're desperately digging through their deck as you try and end the game. Yeah. So you could kind of um, emulate that where, you know, you're playing as your corporation. Like, we know exactly where they are. We just need to get these... This, this scorched earth policy uh, passed our ethics committee and we need to get it funded so we're racing to get that done while the runner is trying to get away you know that kind of thing you could yeah you could probably have an interesting it takes time to there. arrange a traffic accident doesn't it and um <laughs> yeah. you know, and, you, and you need to hear from your sea source first what's more cyberpunk than someone desperately filling out paperwork because it's the only way they're going to stop the <laughs> yeah. nefarious hacker yeah that's right yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think it's all there, but I think you know, to Gaz's point about com- combat, I suppose, which would take up a meaty chunk of any other role playing game. Um, I just don't see it happening. I don't see fights with bouncers outside nightclubs. That's that's what Shadowrun is for. Shadowrun does that very well. Mm. Um, I can't see that being being the thing, um, but I can see plenty of conflicts in there and plenty of tension and plenty of peril. Uh, but I think if it does come down to to two people in an elevator having a fight with katanas and trench coats, I think it would be done wrong. That would be bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's one of the things I want to draw out really, because any of the cyberpunk game I can think of, it all comes down to that. There's somebody with wide reflexes, so they can go 14 times around, and they've got a cyber mono katana or whatever. And I don't know. I think there's a lot more uh, interest in the setting than than that kind of stuff. To be honest, the 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 conflict and meat of it seems to be elsewhere. Yeah, without meaning to digress too much, I think there's too much combat in cyberpunk RPGs in general. I just think that if you want your combat, your D&D is probably going to cover you a bit better. Mm. And I think it's a bit of a waste that, you know, a third, I mean, Shadowrun is Shadowrun, but other than that, you know, the Cyberpunk 2020 rulebook or whatever, a third of it is all combat related. And I'd rather play a different game for that. I want to know about all the other all the other types of conflict that happen in your cyberpunk setting. Yeah, and, and the other thing I would jettison as well, or not completely, I would keep it there from a narrative point of view, is the, the massive chapter of cyber gear because again that that doesn't sing netrunner to me despite seeing characters with you know cyber arms and you know despite clone chips and and strange little things like that there's plenty of cyberware in the card game but it's not like going down to the shop and buying it all which role playing games can often make you feel like you've got to do you don't build a character out of cyber kit and then stick a name on it which is arguably what you did in the trad cyber games <laughs> back in the day. You, you, you've yeah. got you've got naturals and you've got adjusted chronotypes and you've got all kinds of like you know weird human humanity and any right up to like clones and biroids as Gaz was talking about back at the start. But I don't think they're just a list of equipment, despite in the card game having perhaps a list of you know a, a rig made out of hardware and resources and programs. It might look like it's a shopping list, but it doesn't feel that way. And I think there, I don't think you would build a character in the role-playing game based around its around what its body looked like. That wouldn't give you abilities necessarily. It would just give you flavour, perhaps. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think you are kind of right. I do like the idea of having different programs and selecting from a mm. list and that kind of stuff. But it depends how much of a detail you want to get to into the hack, like you've said previously. If we're actually going to build a game where you do hack it for half an hour, play a game of Netrunner, the card game instead, you know, don't do that. But um, I think the scope for introducing other things as well, so they go a bit transhuman. So in the game, there's a an entity called Apex, mm. which is um, a purely virtual being. So it'd be easy enough if you're playing those sort of games to actually have something like that. You could just be a virtual character. So by definition, you know, in the in the card game, you can't have anything other than virtual resources because you don't exist. You are not a meat body. Um, 
So having something like that as a character within the cyberpunk world seems to work out quite well. It's something you could do. What are, what if you are just literally an artificial mm. intelligence? Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the big benefits of zooming it all out a little bit and, and trying to concentrate on the factions and the forces at play instead of just playing every day in the life of a character's shoes is it lets you play cool characters like a, a, some kind of weird presence that only exists on the internet. Mm. Okay. So to take it, if we're making it impersonal then, just to sort of throw an idea out there and see if it sticks, is would it be better, rather than playing Gabriel Santiago or Andromeda or something like that, would you be better off playing the criminals as a faction? Would that be something that flies, or is that just a bit too broad? I think it's probably best to have a little bit of both. I think that's absolutely fine. If you, you know, like the game I was talking about, Legacy does this too, where you do create a faction. Your faction's really important, but you you create some character, and the idea is that they are either the leader of or very influential within that faction. So that if you want to have those zoomed in moments of role playing, if you want to have a conversation with someone in an elevator or uh, play at a scene where you're having dinner or whatever you can and I think it's fine to have I am of this faction here's the faction it's got a write-up here's me I have a write-up that would be what I would do yeah I think for a runner you I'd want to play the identity the person I mean the, the card game already incorporates it a bit doesn't it incorporates uh, in that you play a corp which it rather <laughs> than an individual but even then I'd want to be an executive or a sysop or a person within that corp um because I think that the, the it's it's a human story. I think the Android universe has got loads of glitz and and chrome on it, but at its heart, it is a, it is a story about people and what people are and what people what that even means to be a person. So, without wanting to get too philosophical about it, because normally I just punch cobolds in the face for XP, but in in Android, <laughs> I'd kind of want to do that story at that level, but. As part of that, you're also bigger than yourself too. So you know you're normally fighting for something, whether that be global peace or just to just to enjoy yourself or just to burn out. Or you know you could complicate your people in a complicated world, but everyone's got an agenda, and I think that agenda needs to be writ large. But it would make it depersonal if all you did was play a faction. I think you've got to be a person within it. For me, yeah, I agree. Okay, so what about if we're going to play a corporation? Jinseki or whoever what about taking something like the Oz Magica approach so um, you could all be like each person would have a character who's an executive in one of the big corporations for example and then someone else is their PA and someone else is their security expert and someone else is like the IT guy and whatever else so you have a variety of roles with a, a level of different power and then every session you switch around so one week we're playing and Baz is the executive and I'm the guy on the door at the front and Alex in the IT room, and then next week we've got to switch over to Hass Byroid, and Alex is the executive, and you know mm. someone else is in R and D, and all the rest of it. So you, you have different levels within the company, and you swap around companies and players each time. Is that something that would be worth exploring? Is that just get a bit too you telling different stories the whole time? Telling different stories in the same universe is kind of cool. I think it requires sort of it might require a group of avid Netrunner fans to all GM within the Netrunner universe and play their different stories around their different houses at different times. I think that would be doable. The Ars Magica thing works uh, works for one reason. It's got like that kind of very, very small world. So the Ars Magica world might be just a covenant, uh, which is going to be like, you know, um, Winterfell in Game of Thrones. That's about the size of their world. And there might be 50 people living in it. And so if there's only 50 people in your world, you might as well stat them all up and play them all. But clearly the Android universe has got billions of stories going on. And I think it could get quite unwieldy. I think the middle ground would be to play two people, which is more than the traditional one and less than that troop style play, which which is for me is, is a corp and a runner. And because I think there is definitely mileage in seeing multiple angles of the same story but I think if you were to try and do like in Ars Magica where you might play it's a rotating cast but you might generate a dozen characters in your first session that could be quite a big ask and and I think as well you know you would lean on the card game mechanically I think it depends on the system that you're using but if we were to use for example Fate it would be absolutely trivial to to stat up like uh, the character Donut in the card game without thinking too hard about it at all so you've already got kind of the backstory of all the characters from your card game knowledge. I, I, I don't recommend this, this game we haven't written to people who haven't played Netrunner at all. That would be a, a stupid <laughs> way to get into the Android universe. But you've got to assume perhaps that people know who, who Katie Jones is. 
Yeah, I think you want to have a reasonably narrow focus with one to two characters because I think you're selling yourself and you're maybe selling the setting a little short there uh, if you don't. And I think I want to follow the same person down the line a bit more because it allows people to do things that have a short-term payoff now and a long-term consequence. Mm. I think if we talk about corporate life, taking actions with short-term benefits and long-term consequences is kind of par for the course, isn't it? So that's why I would be resistant because if I want my... I don't want my executive to make some some deal that's going to screw him down the road and then go. But we're not playing him this week. We're playing someone else. I kind of want to would want to see it through. Cool. Okay. Right. So um, I'm getting conscious of the, our clicks might be starting to run out, or our credits might be, or if it's the way <laughs> I play Netrunner, both. And I've no idea what just happened, but Gaz is walking away with with the victory somehow. So let's let's pull this to a close. So I guess final thoughts would be if we sort of zoom back out again from what we've been talking about, which is all awesome, and I've written loads of notes and might do something with it, but do you think we'll get beaten to the punch? Do you think the three of us would get an RPG developed before someone else does it? So is Fantasy Flight likely to do a Netrunner role-playing game, or is somebody else going to do a really good stab at it? Because I've looked, and people talk about it a lot. I haven't seen anything heading towards Kickstarter or a shelf at any time soon. What do you think? Is there legs in this for the general market? I think there's a bunch of demand for it. I've heard loads of people talking about it, specifically in the wake of the worlds of Android book. And Fantasy Flight games have been um, quite... It's been quite interesting. They've been very quiet, which suggests that maybe they've got plans. They love making role-playing games. They mm. make loads. They've got how how many 40k role-playing yeah, games? Yeah, loads. I mean, like six or five or something. I'd be very surprised if they didn't do something with it. And I think they've gauged the fact that there's demand, and I think people would want to play it. Um, I think it wouldn't be too difficult to... There's There's some decent... Cyberpunk games that have come out fairly recently. The Sprawl just came out of Kickstarter. That look, that's an Apocalypse Engine yep. game that I think would do handle Netrunner um, really well. Technoir is a pretty good game that you it's, it uses Netrunner language. That game talks about connections and factions and all that kind of stuff. So if people want to hack one together, it'd be really easy. But I think if people made if they if someone was to make a special one and put all the nice art in it, I think people would love that. Yeah, I think I think FFG are likely to do something based on. How successful they've been with other games. Um, the the worry, no, well, worry is probably a bit strong, but the the concern I've got is that it is probably more likely to be the traditional role playing game that we've mentioned before, or something similar to Star Wars: Adventure Vampire, or that kind of thing, um, rather than it being the sort of game that we possibly talked about doing tonight. So it might be a little bit traditional, and there will be a combat chapter and things like that. Yeah, I would, I would suspect. So Their role playing games are very traditional, absolutely. All the ones yeah. we've done so far. Yeah, they've they've got a stable of writers and people they trust to write these sort of things. So I, I can't see them going too far away from the the standard. That that was the other question I was sort of going to ask. Is I've been scribbling notes as well. And if we did, if we did make a game, how easy would it be to file the numbers off so that we didn't get sued off FFG? I guess is the thing. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we could easily pull something together. But then, how do we do it? Or you know. Would we have any joy pitching a brand new game to FFG? That's the question. I don't know whether everybody can answer that, but it'd be an interesting uh, one. I think as a fan project, it doesn't. It wouldn't even blip on their radar, mate. If Ginteki.net is a thing that I can access tonight, then they're not that bothered by <laughs> by people using their stuff wholesale. I mean, they are bothered. If we became billionaires at it, which is the most unlikely outcome ever from anything role playing. <laughs> then they might. I, I think you know they might get a bit snooty if we just reference loads of cards. But again, you know these things are freely available, um, and they seem reasonably cool about letting fans do their stuff. Um, I, I don't think it'd be a massive image as long as you weren't like down, wholesale downloading all their imagery and sticking it in books and stuff. But you'd 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 want you, if you filed the serial numbers off. I don't think you'd have a netrunner game. I, I want to be able to reference Catty mm. Jones, you know. I want to be able to talk about Scorched Earth and and you know and Shaw Gamble and all those things that might have little TMs next to them. Although actually, I don't think they do. But it, but you want to be able to use the lingo. I think yeah. I think the thing that 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 would save us is also the thing that would save us a bunch of money too. Is I kind of wouldn't want to put a setting chapter in this. It wouldn't be a standalone book. You would have to come to it with some Android knowledge, whether from a card game or the board game or the Worlds of Android book or just looking stuff up on the internet. You know, the first line should be, don't come here as your first stop. But if you're already a fan of that universe and Fantasy Flight and you, you know how to look up card images and you, you know what people are talking about, then this is the way you can tell your stories within that world. And, and arguably, you've written a game that other people could take into Shadowrun because then you're not talking about 
the intricacies of the setting you're just talking about the intricacies of the stories you can tell so in that sense you're kind of building a generic game but you'd, you'd kind of want all the examples of play of which you've got to have some would have to reference stuff that happens in the card game wouldn't they I think so. I think what we've learned with FFG in terms of the online platforms like your Octagons and your Gentechis is you can probably, and maybe this is a slander and there'll be a libel suit or something, but I think with FFG you can basically do whatever you want until you make a penny off it. Mm. If you put this up for free on the internet, you could probably use card images and, and yeah. language all you want and they'd probably think it was great. The key is uh, just don't try not to make any money off it. So if if we or someone wants to do that, I don't think there's anything stopping you. Yeah, it's, it's the old adage, isn't it? How do you make a small fortune at role-playing games? Start off with a large fortune. <laughs> yeah. Which is actually what makes me think FFG might not do this. Seriously. Because I come at it from a different perspective in that you know, I'm, I play my D&D games, so I've, I'm kind of intimately tied into what Wizards of the Coast are doing. And they have yet to do a Magic the Gathering role-playing game because they've already got a big fortune from it. And their time and resources yeah. that they put into that universe is better off making new boosters, new data packs, new stuff for the Magic card game than anything they would get. Despite the fan clamour, they clearly these are not stupid people. They've got graphs and they know how to work Excel, <laughs> and it just doesn't give them the dividend that the huge resource sink of of doing a role playing game would. I think Worlds of Android. I don't want to be too cynical about this, but that's just them writing down their IP which is the sort of thing they can hand off to like film producers and video game makers in the future as the setting bible. They kind of had to do that anyway, but putting a robust role-playing game mechanic around all of that, they might have people who could do it, but those people are doing other things for them, and they would have to stop doing those other things to do this. That is a very good point, yeah. Yeah, I guess what it could be, potentially, is the only thing that sprung to my mind is this seeing how well this sells. Mm. So if they sell a bajillion World of Android books, then it's probably worth the time putting some rules in it and basically reprinting it. Mm. Uh, but if it doesn't sell all that well, then they could, they've probably got a good gauge then of whether people want to buy books in that setting or just want to buy the cards. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, I think that's uh, that's us. We've gone over an hour probably there. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and thanks very much to our special guest, Alex White. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, cheers, Alex. That was really good. Thanks, mate. It's been a pleasure. So, if any of you have got any ideas about a good Android Netrunner game or something similar or anything we've missed, please feel free to email us, drop stuff in the comments, all the usual stuff. And, uh, of course, if there's any interest in the sort of ideas we've talked about or anything you want to expand upon, feel free to get in touch and we'll happily chat to you about it. So, that's all from me. Yeah, cheers, everybody. See you soon. And uh, I'll see you next time. Cheers, everybody.